Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Today's story features Kathleen Bro and Lori Baru. Both parents and educators, Kathleen and Lori share their moving stories and valuable insights they personally have gained while navigating and leading change in the education and healthcare systems for families across the state of Pennsylvania. When the world came to a sudden stop in March of 2020 due to COVID-19, both of these parents learned that their work and passion in advocacy and access became even more important in a remote world. Together, we talk about how parents and families are surviving in a pandemic and raising and educating their children at home, some who face intellectual and physical challenges. Let's meet them both and learn together how we can support parents, educators, families, and children in new ways. So I am Katie Bro, maiden name Kirst, hence the person on this podcast, I am his older sister by 16 months, basically Irish twins. We grew up together very close. And uh, now uh, I reside in Pennsylvania, and my brother Bill is all the way over in Washington State. I am uh, my kid's mom. I have two boys. Um, And the reason I'm on this podcast today is because Bill had talked about change and people making changes. And um, I have been uh, advocating for my son, Andrew, who's 15, who has an intellectual disability. And um, I've been a big partner in helping Pennsylvania change the way people look at intellectual disabilities. Hence, my friend, Lori Brew, who I met a few years ago, we, uh, she called me up for a newsletter. She asked to speak to me about my family and the under situation. And um, the reason that happened was because I, as Bill knows, um, if I hadn't gone down the route I had gone down to be a mom, I wanted to be a lawyer in politics. And so since I didn't do that, I decided to dive into PTO work, um, harassed superintendents, um, knock on the door of special ed directors, um, all in um, name of Andrew and his friends who all um, need some advocating. So that's how I met Lori, and Lori can introduce herself. Oh, Katie, thank you so much for that kind, um, warm welcome. Um, My name is Lori Brew, and uh, I work for the Peel Center. Uh, The Peel Center is the PTI, Parent Training and Information Center of Pennsylvania. Um, Every state has a PTI. And if you have any questions or need more information, you know, or have to navigate special education or training, you can always, you know, Google Parent Training and Information Center in your state and you can contact them. 
Um, I'm also uh, a parent myself who has a son who's 31 years old, who has the diagnosis of an intellectual disability, as well as autism. And um, so he's really blazed the trail and helped me, guide me, you know, through the special education process, as well as the adult living and um, process. So uh, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you, Lori. And I would love to kind of just just start there, which is I'm imagining there's a lot of parents across across the nation right now um, that are that have probably gone through a tremendous amount of change in the past eight to nine months. That's essentially what we've been dealing with in the pandemic. Um, The first question I would have is when you think about the the services that parents and students and children were getting pre pandemic versus the services and how they're delivered now. What are some of the largest changes that you've seen um, since the pandemic and, and how people are doing in that? That, that? That's a great question, Bill. I, I would say there's a lot of anxiety. I think there's um, the delivery of services is, um, you know, hodgepodge at, at best. I mean, one day I know today in Pennsylvania, the governor, you know, they were starting to put more restrictions on. So uh, families are scrambling. I know some families are in the classroom. Some are, you know, virtual. So it's a hybrid. Um, but that may be changing. Uh, I think um, we hear, you know, more concern about specifically families who have children who have disabilities and some of the, you know, lack and hands-on um you know, um, teachable, you know, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and things like that, and needing that one-to-one. I've heard some amazing stories, you know, where there is one-to-one, maybe on, you know, maybe beside the the student, and then they're, you know, you know, on the computer. It, it, it's just really depends on the student. I will say we've also heard that um, some families are experiencing less anxiety from students as well. Um, And they feel, you know, the kids are, you know, doing well, you know, virtually. I'm not saying that for all students, but I will say we've heard that from families. Yeah, that's an interesting, an interesting thing that I'd love to, um, Katie, have you talk a little bit about. There's, there's, I know we've talked a lot about the importance of occupational therapy and speech therapy. And, and Lori, as you allude to, there are probably some students who in some situations may be doing better in this remote because my assumption is maybe you don't have the, the pressure or the social pressure that comes with being in a crowd or in a classroom. So Katie, I know you've had some um, a lot of experience this past year in terms of the remote learning. What has your experience been with uh, your son, Andrew, um, and also your other son, Christopher, in terms of the remote learning? So um, we chose Pennsylvania. Our school district gave us the option. We could send them in or we could keep them back or at home, um, which is a hard decision because a lot of children who have intellectual disabilities also come with a medical situation. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. And so because of Andrew's epilepsy, I just felt like, you know what, I'm not going to take the risk. So what happens is I've fought many, many years for Andrew not to be, or for Andrew to be in the least restrictive environment. It's called LRE. Well, guess what? Now we're in a very restrictive environment, but that's because of COVID. 
So what that looks like, I tried PT. I just, I don't know if a parent can do PT on Zoom, please let me know because it is a nightmare for me. And the, um, the PT try their best. They send videos and stuff. It's just not working for us. I opted out this time. Um, we go to get private uh, PT. Uh, luckily, I have the insurance, and he has a state insurance, and we can go to a PT. That is something I feel it has to be hands-on. That has to be, They have to manipulate his body and et cetera, et cetera. OT, it's hit or miss. OT, it depends on your um, IEP, and or, that's an individual education plan. Andrew's, um, uh, because of this whole project I'm doing with Lori and stuff, I'm presuming competence. So what I am doing is I'm saying, hey, everybody's typing. I don't care if he can't sign his name. I need him typing because that's where we're going. So that, fortunately, an OT is working on Zoom because it's wonderful technology. She can share her screen with me. He can type. She can see he's typing those letters. He can also do some manipulation on the, the screen. Uh, speech. Speech is, is interesting. It's kind of like what we're doing now. You can watch my mouth talk. Um, you can hear what I'm saying. So it, it's going, speech actually is going extremely well. Um, and then the education process. Andrew is on Zoom probably about six hours a day. We are getting Zoom fatigue. Um, I actually had an IEP meeting uh, called an IEP meeting. We are trying to revert back to paper, um, which is something strange again, because asked me a few years ago, I was pro technology. I said, let's do it. Let's do it because it really helps him. Now he's getting zoom fatigue and we're going back to, I've asked for a uh, paper, um, to help him with that. So it, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Yeah. I think it's really it's really interesting. There was a conversation I had with a previous guest um, in the past, and she lives in Texas, has a lot of um, a lot of support, probably through her neighborhood, also through the PTA. But one of the interesting things she said was she also requested to go back to paper for the reason being um, mainly it was it was Zoom fatigue. But also on top of that, one of the things that she struggled with was, you know, she's got four kids and every one of those kids has a unique teacher and unique classes. And every one of those classes has a different login and password. And so by the time the matrix was put together of everything she had to remember or the kids had to remember, it actually was, was, was more um, obtrusive and restrictive than anything um, they could have imagined. So they went to kind of the hybrid model where they said, we'd like to do paper for the younger ones. The older ones can probably manage the technology a little bit. Um, but as you think about, I mean, Lori, you just alluded to this also. And Katie, I think the same thing for you. Out here in Washington, we just had a, gov a governor's speech and things are getting restricted again. You know, people are making a run on the grocery stores. Restaurants are closing down again. I'm curious from the standpoint of as parents, <clears throat> Do you feel like, is, is, this, uh, is this like 10 steps forward and 10 steps back? Is it 10 steps forward and three steps back? Do you feel like you're learning more about your, your own children and the education system in all of this adversity? What does it, what does it feel like? Uh, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I have had families, uh, parents say that they have learned, they've seen what maybe the educators have seen about their child. Um, you know, 
I know for me, sometimes an educator would say something about my son that I would be like, there is no way. And really, I think the longer maybe I could see that way, you know, um, so parents have been saying that, that they, and actually they are more aligned now with educators or they, they uh, understand where they're coming from more and they have more, um, I wouldn't say more, I don't know, I guess more empathy or um, consideration for, for the work that they're doing. I think parents always have had that, but it seems like it's even more so now. And I've heard uh, families have said that they've worked more as a team. Um, and I think that actually came from Katie too, you know, that you feel like you, they are more a part of the team. They're not just maybe sitting on the bench. They're not the bench warmers, but they are, they are now more uh, proactive and uh, bigger teammates, I guess I would say. Yeah. And they're willing to, uh, so before you would be like the kids would be in school and you couldn't really see how the teacher taught or how mm -hmm. he responds. Now it's like I'm getting a first class seat and seeing what works. And so I've revamped my IEP tremendously because I'm like, oh, my God, this is not even working. I can't believe for years I had this in here and Andrew hates it, but he does. He can't communicate to me. Um, they're also very a positive thing. They're also very willing to take my suggestions of thinking outside the box. Everybody right now, even educators are like, sure, we'll go with that. I mean, I could just say, well, let's just have them eat Cheerios and, and use a spoon. We'll go with that. I'm like, great. Two for one. I get him to eat breakfast and we got OT done. So I think there, people are, what Lori said, adapting to the situation. But educators are listening to us now. More, so. And parents listening to educators. And too, we're listening, yeah. And we, we're actually seeing the teachers teach them because otherwise yeah. they're in school. Yeah, that's one of the things I'd, I'd love to get both your, your perspectives on. This aspect of sort of that uh, the third wall between the educator and the parent went away. Um, and, mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm wondering... You know, as you think about Katie, you would, you had mentioned being in a first class seat, right? You can watch you can watch the everything being made right there. Um, does it make you appreciate more less the same the the education you the experience you had growing up? Like, what would I mean if you put yourself in the shoes, right? I mean, this would be very different, right? If 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 we had been going through a pandemic back back when, because we wouldn't have had the technology. But as you think about what people are doing now, does it make you appreciate? the way we learned, or do you find some appreciation for even this, what is formulating to be the new ways that people are learning? Katie, I'll start with you first. I think um, growing up, Bill, you and I were very opposites. You you were more like my Christopher. He is on Zoom. He gets his work done. If I were to do this, I would have procrastinated and mom would have been getting the emails of she didn't turn it in. She didn't show up because I wasn't regimented enough to actually do this. Now, um, Christopher is. So he is actually liking it, but he is regimented. He gets on there. He does his work. Um, the other difference is in our day, mom and dad wouldn't see our grades until like there was no. Um, so mom, like, oh, yeah, mom, I took that test. Yeah, I don't know what grade I got. I'm sure we'll find out like in a week. We get it that he, Christopher literally gets, he can find out what he got immediately. It's crazy. 
So there's no none of this, uh, well, I don't know what I got or whatnot. But there is a negative to that because there isn't a break. So I can be like, what'd you get on your grade? And if he didn't get a great grade, I'm on him immediately. Where back in the day when we were, we could at least go to school, get a break from mom and dad, come back and then be like, well, I didn't do well on this grade. So that's somewhat of a difference. Yeah. Yeah. The, the immediate feedback is something that's very different. Um, how about you, Lori, from your perspective in terms of now versus then versus whatever it's going to be in the future? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, you, you know, um, you, you really made me think about the, the social piece of it, um, the, missing that. And I know for my son, you know, going to school, well, I think he had high anxiety. I think he, he still talks about the people he was in school with and certain things. He has a real knack for remembering what people ate, you know, on the morning of November 10th of, you know, 1995, which is really cool. It's very cool. So he, so missing that, I think uh, that social piece um, is an important part of, uh, I, I guess the other thing, um, you know, in having good role models, I know that he learned from other people, you know, um, you know, people can tell him what to do and how to act, but really it was learning from other people, other students and stuff, um, which is why it's really good to have all different kids, you know, in, in a class learning from each other. Um, uh, so I, I think that's what's missing. I will say, I, I know when we talk about, you know, educators and, you know, and parents, and we always say appeal that really right now, I mean, I, I know parents are the first teachers of, of students, you know, of their children. But as, as now we think of it as we're facilitating, you know, to make sure that we are the facilitators of what the school is giving us and that we are contributing um, you know, and giving feedback. And if there's any issues going back to the IEP team, you know, this isn't working. Um, so if things are missing that you feel need to be addressed, you go back to the team uh, uh, and that might be helpful. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really the, the word facilitator is an important one. I've noticed in, in my work, in working with clients, and I used to be kind of like the teacher in front of the room, right? I was the person who would lead these people through change. And um, and that required being in the room with people. And now we do it remote. But what's really interesting is what you hit on, Lori. Every time I do that, it used to be pre-pandemic, I used to kind of be able to carry the room by myself, do the whiteboard by myself, go inquire with people how they're feeling by myself. You cannot do that in a Zoom or a Microsoft Teams or anything like I require, if I'm the one teaching or coaching or, you know, I require a facilitator and a producer. We call it a producer, which is somebody who can basically say, hey, I'm managing the chat. I'm helping with the, the technology in the background. That's like a three-person job. And one of the thing I know, one of the things I notice is how overwhelmed we can get. And I can't even imagine how it is for teachers um, and parents, frankly, because a parent, I think you're playing facilitator, but also producer. But sometimes you have to be both. So I'm curious, Katie, you've done a lot of this as well from the standpoint of uh, producer, right? You, you've done a lot of learning with your sons. You've also done a lot of learning out loud is what I would call it. Can you talk a little bit about some of the things you've done using things like even Facebook and others to to kind of show people the way that you've had to play producer and facilitator and parent and educator? Well, I think people see by how much wine I drink <laughs> on Facebook that it's going great. 
It's just going great. Uh, no, you know what I've realized during this whole thing? It's exhausting. I, I give teachers, I've, I've always given teachers props, but I mean, it's, it's a lot. Um, and I really give special ed uh, teachers a lot. I mean, they have to manage children who all learn differently. So you cannot, um, you know, have a Zoom call and just teach one way. You know, you've got all, and, and their kids are all different. And so that's hard. And then what I find hard is my kids, and, and Chris is good. He's on his own. His teachers are teaching but Andrew is not. He wants me to be his mother. He didn't. He does not want me to be his teacher. He is in his way. He has told me that. Unfortunately, uh, we can't do that. And I have to be his teacher, too. But it's really hard, and I don't know about other parents, but being that teacher and the parent, because you don't get a leave, like a teacher can leave that student. Or you, and and so sometimes I take a mental health day with him and I'm just his mom. And, and that took months to realize because um, it wasn't going great. And the teachers were doing their best. And, uh, but it was, he just wanted me to be his mom that day and not be his teacher. And that's the hardest part of uh, being a parent right now to a special ed child. Yeah. I think that's I think that's really powerful that you talked about that, Katie, because one of the things that I've I've realized in uh, talking with a lot of people is to your point around the there used to be what I call logical breaks in the day or logical breaks between the roles. And and you're right. A, a child or a student could associate, Lori, as you were saying, you know, your son could remember exactly on November, you know, this November 10th on 2005. This is where I was and this is what I ate and this. What's really interesting about kind of this, we call it blurs day, right? One big blurs day. You don't know what day it is, is um, the the inability for us to actually associate memories or logical breaks with places and spaces and people. And, and this occurs in, in, in everybody's world right now. If I were in a conference room with the two of you talking and somebody brought up a point what we, what we realize in our brain structure is a lot of times we actually sort of bookmark that based on where we're at, where I was sitting, where you standing up, where you sitting down, were you near the door, were you not, right? It kind of creates this little cartography in your mind. But when we're on Zoom all the time, there's no cartography. There's, there, there's nothing to pull from, from the standpoint of, oh, are you talking to me as a mom right now? Or are you talking to me as a teacher? Are you talking to me as someone who's trying to memorize the password and get me into, like, help me understand that. And, and Katie, your point is very powerful that anyone, regardless of their ability would say, I'm very confused right now. I need you to be this and not this. Um, so I think I'm curious, Katie, and even Lori, as you think about that, if there are other parents listening and they're struggling with that, is it, is it things like take a mental health day to be with your child so that they can distinguish um, between all of these roles that we had to play that frankly, Nobody taught us. Nobody trained us on this. This all happened overnight, right? You know, you know, Katie, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, I will say, and I know Peel says this, is that really the health and safety of families, mental health, safety in, is number one. It's number one, no matter what that looks like. So, Katie, when you say that, I, that's what really comes to my mind is making sure 
everyone's safe, everybody's healthy. Um, and um, so making sure that, that that occurs. I love that you said that. I think the other thing is making sure, and we, we did um, have a drop-in, you know, sessions for parents because we found um, when we were talking to parents that they really needed some affirmation about what was going on in their home. Um, and Katie was so good at this, you know, really helping us align with this. You know, I mean, kids weren't getting up in the morning to be on Zoom. I mean, they were eating Doritos for breakfast and Oreos for lunch. And that's what we called our first drop-in, you know. So we just needed to affirm that families are going through some. This isn't normal. And this we had to acknowledge that and affirm it and sort of sometimes get some humor from it. You know, we had to do that. And I think that families need to make sure that that, they all remain okay. And it's okay for things not to be the way that they were in school. This isn't school as normal. And I think parents um, have said that and they have to recognize it and we have to be um, give leeway to everybody about that. So um, yeah, I don't know, yeah. Katie, but Kate, Katie's good about that. I mean, I, I just love some of the stories. Katie was on a, a conference that um, leadership conference for the state and she had so many great insights for teachers that um, it was really wonderful. Sorry, Katie, I had to give up. That's all right. Yeah. I mean, so Bill, I, I, through Peel and Patton, they've asked me several times to come on and talk to educators as a mother, um, which parents are really a huge, if you want to find out change or you want to talk about all, everybody should just ask a parent. Because they're going to tell you, I mean, in the education system, go to the source. If you're educating the children, go to the parents. They'll tell you what's working, what's not. Um, but David and I, as parents, and, and he, as you know, he has a high-stress job being a police officer. So we have a lot of stress in this family right now. But what we've said is this is not a normal year, and we're going to take a mental health day when we need it. Um, luckily, uh, my mother-in-law comes on Wednesday just to give me a few hours to myself. I'm very lucky to have that. Um, it really, it took her tell it, telling me, and I probably should have asked for help, but I felt like, well, nobody else is. Why can't I do this? I, it's not that nobody else is. I don't think anybody's saying they're at, they need that help. So, um, and then, you know, remembering that Christopher and Andrew, they don't get a break from us anymore. They don't get to go to school. Chris doesn't go to get to go do a bunch of things. So, um, you know, it's all a learning curve for us. And to I just said this year is going to be a wash. So let's just put some joy and mental health back into it. And if we need a mental health day, we take the mental health day. And um, that's what we do. But I'm, I would love, Katie, as you talk about like the aspect of um, kids don't necessarily get a break either. Um, so what would be some tips that you would share for parents who are thinking about, look, how do I help my kid um, get a break that's not necessarily tied to maybe a piece of technology? I mean, because some of this, I imagine, right, if you go to if you go from Zoom to uh, PlayStation <laughs> or Zoom to Xbox, it's not exactly a differentiation of an experience. So do you find like, hey, we should go outside more. 
we should go on walks more. Obviously, it's hard in the winter, depending on where people live. But what has that balance been like for for you and 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 the kids? And if you were to make recommendations to other parents that were struggling with that, so I say um, definitely get outside. Um, you know, it, go bike riding and um, walks. We set we put our Christmas decorations outside early um, because that brought such joy. The thing about PlayStation is. I was an advocate for no PlayStation during this time because I was like, oh, my gosh, it's technology, technology. Then Christopher came to me and said, Mom, I don't have any way to socialize with my friends except through PlayStation. And he was correct because everybody was on lockdown and he could talk to his friends through PlayStation. And so I sat down there and listened to him. He was giggling. He was talking. He was having a great time. So. I've tried to uh, kind of allow a lot more of that because that's his socialization. He can't go out and, you know, go down our playgrounds closed. So I've been a little bit more lenient with that, but going outside, play with playing games, um, trying to go back to the old fashioned family time is basically get off our cell phones. I don't know about you, Bill, but I, I'm fatigued from technology. I, I, I'm reading paperback books. I'm not reading them on the thing i'm uh, i pulled out a paper map because you know dad loves paper maps um just trying to go back old school I know that sounds no it's, it's it makes a lot of sense i mean one of the things that i've even done because you're, you're right about the technology fatigue um i've noticed that i've been keeping my phone in do not disturb mode because I realize I'm in Zoom all day, 10 to 12 hours a day. So like, I don't even have the opportunity to answer a phone call if it comes in because this has become the new phone call. So I keep it in do not disturb mode or I keep it on Wi-Fi mode. And the interesting thing is I actually get stressed out when I have to then go back to this aspect of waiting for it to ring. Because I think a lot of people are doing the same thing and they notice that sometimes if, if, if a phone call do, does come through, it, something must be uh, amiss because we're connecting in this way. So like, why, like what's going on that we couldn't connect in this way and that somebody's calling the old fashioned way or the old school way. Um, it's an interesting point. It, it really, really is. What are some of the things I think that your sons have taught you during this time? Um, I'm not patient. I need to be more patient. Um, I am, have no clue about technology. None whatsoever. I mean, I'm really bad. Getting onto this thing, I was stressing the whole family out. Because you have to use Google Chrome, Bill. I don't know what the hell that is. Chris did. Um, oh, that Andrew knows how to unmute. And when I'm cussing up a storm and he's on a Zoom and he knows to unmute, that's embarrassing. Uh, so I always for mute now. Oh my God. Um... What else have they taught me that uh, they're really great kids that will will survive this, that health is really important. Um, you know, we health, you can't put a price on health, Bill. And, you know, with losing mom recently, you know, and family. And it's so hard because we all can't get together, uh, you know. So that's hard. And um, I don't know, just. I drink a lot of wine. I love wine. Um, just not to take life so seriously, I guess. What are, what are the holidays going to be like for families? There's a lot of discussion right now with, obviously, Thanksgiving and the upcoming 
holidays in December. Have have kids started to talk about that? Are they even like are they saying that in in sort of the Zoom school talking to talking to kids about holidays upcoming? You know, it's interesting because I think when they're in school, there's um, events that make it like, oh, Thanksgiving's coming up, so we have a half day or a, a gymnasium. Uh, what do you call it? Like where they, you know, yell and scream. Field day. Yeah, they yell, have fun days, you know, and get ready for the holidays. The kids don't have that now. So I I don't even know if Christopher knows Thanksgiving's really coming up. They know Christmas or holidays is because um, I got my HOA to approve decorating early because um, they're very strict here. But so we decorated that. Um, I don't know. Lori, we were just talking about holidays and how people are. Uh, I don't, I mean, does it feel like Thanksgiving's coming up? I mean, we're Pennsylvania, pumpkin pie. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, it feels different, I guess. Uh, yeah, it just, um, and, you know, I, you know, I, I, it just, nothing seems the way it should <laughs> or the way it has been in the past. I guess it's different and different. You know, um, I, I guess, again, going back to remaining safe and healthy and um, keeping families OK. We keep talking. We, te- we you know, a lot of times we talk about as the adults, what are they learning? But we're learning just as much as they are in this because there's no textbook for this. There's no answer key for this. So what are some of the things that children or kids or those that you're interacting with have taught you during this time? Um, I think the families, what, what I've heard from families is that... Um, you know, adults might be having more of a difficult time sometimes. I mean, because, I mean, they're juggling so much. I mean, and of course, you know, you set the tone, you know, and so, you know, they're juggling so much. But I, I think what we've learned is kids are resilient um, more so than maybe we think. And we say that a lot, you know, and I, I think, you know, and I guess we just have to make sure we think about the recoup, you know, what are they, the recuperation, you know, the, you know, recouping some of the, um, you know, maybe what they've lost, but there's probably some things that they have gained that maybe aren't so much data driven, you know, um, that's what I'm thinking about. And I know that there's some families that are taking opportunities to do things a little bit differently. Um, and again, I learned that from Katie, <laughs> you know, some of this stuff and, um, and the authenticity that comes from this. Um, I loved Katie when, and I'm going to share this, Katie, I hope you don't mind. But when you were talking in the leadership that sometimes you just, you know, you, you, you get a phone call from the teacher or from, you know, from the school. And when you see that phone number come up, you, you, when you said Katie so beautifully, like, Oh, I have to make a decision. Like, I don't, this is a decision-making. If I get this phone call, I'm going to have to make a decision. Do I want to make a decision right now? Is this the best time for me to make a decision? So when you said having a tip, uh, Katie, when you said maybe just have a teacher call without having, you know, to make a decision, uh, asking you for something was such a big revelation to me, you know, you know, building relationships um, and that knowing that we're all in it together. Um, uh, it really spoke to me when you said that, Katie. Um, so. Because we were talking about uh, superintendents and 
was it superintendents or it was it kind of everybody was asking what can they do to make it a little less crazy? And I said, yeah, don't, don't just call us when there's something bad, but maybe write a letter to the student and ask them how they're doing and maybe make a YouTube video, something silly and send it something that's not so stressful. And they were really open to that. They were. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful example of like, I mean, even as you described it, Lori, like you talked about when a teacher calls and I immediately, like my body tensed up, right? I just went like this. I'm like, oh my God, like you can picture the cell phone number calling and seeing that it's coming from that. And you just tense up. You're like, oh my gosh, what what's wrong? What did somebody do? Is somebody hurt, right? It's, it's that aspect of what we do. And I think Katie, your point is very valid. Like we have to find new ways to build relationship and to engage where it's not always a, I have to make a decision or this is bad news or, you know, uh, what's coming next. Um, and I think the other piece that you hit on Lori was just the authenticity part of this. One of the things I'm starting to notice in, in, in everybody's world is right. you see my home behind me. I see your home behind you. I see like, there's this aspect of, uh, we are showing up all of ourselves. And, you know, we see this with reporters on TV, you know, they report and their cat is behind them and the cat's doing some funny things or, you know, we, we all laugh about that video years ago when the child snuck in and, you know, (laughs) and they had to pull. I mean, think where we are now. Can you picture dad, Bill? He would have been smacking us like in the car. (laughs) But now it's, now it's a daily, you know, it's a daily occurrence. I actually look forward to those meetings when I can see the, the child come in and say hi to mom or dad, or the dog comes up, you know, cause it, there's an aspect of all of us. Like it's not just, okay, I need you to be the teacher in this moment. And, and I need you to be the parent or the consultant or whatever there. We have to remind people that we're fighting a pandemic and we're showing up to work and we're showing up to school and we're, it's not, it's not, we're going to school in a pandemic. It's we're fighting a pandemic and, and learning and connecting. And, um, and it's just such a powerful reminder of the authenticity of this, that when you show up from that place of authenticity, you can probably get a little bit more done than you expect. Um, because previously we're just so reserved. Like we're so afraid to like, well, I can't possibly let somebody know that I'm not doing okay or I'm overwhelmed. What if I actually did start off the call with, Hey, I'm overwhelmed. Like I I didn't get a chance to eat or my kid hit their head right before this meeting. Can we take 10 to 15 minutes just to make sure that I catch my breath and sit with my, I'm pretty sure I know anybody I would say absolutely. Right. It reminds me of years ago when I was in Egypt on a, with IBM, they they used to start all their meetings, you know, you'd have these meetings and it's a very Western or even American thing just to jump right into the business, right? Okay, let's get to the agenda. And these Egyptian leaders taught me, no, 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 no. Before we do that, we need to go around the room and we need to ask you individually, how is your family? Is everybody okay in your family? Is everybody healthy? Is anybody sick? Is anybody in the hospital? And at first you were kind of like, what does it have to do? It's a little intrusive, but they made a really good point. That point was, we're going to talk about some some important stuff here, but if there's somebody that you love in your life that is sick or not well or you're worried about, that's going to detract from, from what we're going to talk about. So we need to make sure that you get to focus on the most important thing, and that's family. So if family's in trouble right now or you need to focus on that, we will change things in the agenda so that you can be with them. 
and then you can come back and we can continue. But we would never expect anyone to be able to talk business if the, what's the most important thing in their their world, their children, their family, their life is is not okay, is not well. And it really changed the way that I approach things. And I'm noticing in the Zoom world and in the in the Teams world, sometimes it's easier for people to enter that into the meeting as opposed to being in a conference room and saying, well, I can't take, I, you know, I got to run out of the conference room because my, my kid is in an emergency. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, has that come up in the space of parenting and teaching as well? Um, I, I think so. I mean, I was on a meeting the other day when we started it with a de-stress um, exercise and I was like, I was like, this is really cool, you know, putting your feet flat on the floor. And I was like, and I, I know people, you know, and just closing your eyes and it just, you know, brought us back to focus. And I thought just that little exercise was just, I don't know, it, for me, it made a difference in how I, the meeting went to me, I guess I would say. Um I think, and you know, when you're talking, I'm also, th- I know we're, we're talking about, you know, parents and families and educators and staying safe, but and a lot of educators have their own children too, you know, so they're trying to navigate, you know, and negotiate that. So they're also, we all have our jobs. And um, I, I just wanted to say that. So we're sort of all in it together. And I think what I heard you say, Bill, was that flexibility. I think, I think we've become more flexible and maybe, you know, empathic and understanding about things. And I love, and I know Katie's been on meetings and the kids are in and we just love that. And it is more like we, and they're like, Oh, I'm so sorry about the noise. I'm like the noise. We love the noise. (laughs) You know, um, it, it is sort of like all are welcome in a lot of ways and sort of what we practice with our inclusion and what we want for families, you know, and what, how we want our kids educated, you know, um, you know, there are kids that, you know, talk a lot during class and stuff. I mean, they're, they're welcome. We just, you know, different strategies are used and people like Katie had said, you know, people learn differently. All kids learn differently, you know, so. Yeah. So in Andrew's class and Christopher's, our school district has made it mandatory that, the uh, guidance counselors meet on somebody's Zoom class once a week. So they are being diligent in that there's a mental health issue with all this stuff. You know, there is a mental health thing. Andrew really enjoys the counselor, Mr. Dave, come on. And Chris, who's like, I've never been to a guidance counselor in my life. You know, I'm like, well, you're in this family, trust me. Their time is coming, right, Bill? But anyway, um, he enjoys it. He enjoys hearing other people and what they're going through. And um, you asked Lori about what what uh, people are learning. I'm also learning to be more truthful. So when Andrew hangs up on the teacher and says, no, like you, end Zoom meeting, I just email her and say, he's just not having it today. The old me would have been like, oh, sorry, the internet was down, internet pro, you know? And I'm like, you know what? That's doing me no good because she needs to know he's not having a good day. So I'm being more truthful. And Bill, you know I'm a very truthful person, but I'm being really truthful. I think it's a very powerful point. Yeah, go ahead, Lori. (laughs) 
I was going to say, and I, I think of that leadership conference also, Katie, when you said, oh, he didn't do this. Oh, geez. All right. I'll do it. Here you go. Like, and you were very truthful to them, I thought. And you, you said that. And it was, it just cracked me up. I was like, you know what? How authentic and real was that? Because we all have been there and have done that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because yeah, the IEP work, I mean, I was like, I'm just going to do this and turn it in because he's not, he just is like, no, like that. And then finally I was like to the IEP team, I'm, I'm like, that's my work. He's not doing it because he is done. Hence the reason I asked for the paper. And now we're doing paper and I take a picture of it and I send it to them. So it's just a different thing. He's zoomed out. He's zoomed out. Yeah, because with a paper, you can't end Zoom meeting, right? No, you can't. You cannot. And he can tell me he doesn't like me all day, but, you know, I can't, he can't unzoom me. That's a very, that's a very good a good example. Um, in the last couple of minutes here, I would love to, one of the questions I always ask my guests is um, how do they stay healthy and change? So Katie, you talked a little bit about the mental health day that you take with your kids, but I would like to kind of direct this more to you both individually. I mean, as parent, we are who we are, right? We're parents, we're spouses, we're educators. But when you think about for yourself in all of this pandemic and everything else, um, how do how do each of you stay healthy and change? I'll start with you, Lori. Oh, but that's a loaded question, Bill. <laughs> um, boy, a lot of thoughts are going through my head. How do I stay healthy? I think I think being you know not so hard on myself. I think just not you know. I will say you know sometimes, and I, I think people can resonate with this. Like I'll be in bed by myself and lying there in the middle of the night, and I just go down rabbit holes and think of you know, my family and who's doing well and who needs, you know, my mother who's in a nursing facility and the whole bit. And I just, I can go deep and I just have to give myself permission and think about what would I say to Katie if she needed that, you know, I would say, let it, I have to let things go and not be so hard and live with some hard decisions that I've made and be okay with it. That's how I stay healthy. I think mindful. Um, that's, that's what I great. would say. Katie. Um, I would say that I keep telling myself tomorrow's a redo day. You get a redo as long as you wake up. Um, you know, I'm hard on myself. Um, I've been hard on my kids during this time, but I try to mentally say, you know what? If you don't get on that Zoom today, the world's not going to fall apart. If I order food and it's not cooked by me, it's fine. If I drink wine out of a box and not a bottle, it's fine. You know, there's just, you know, some things are just not worth. But but what I tell myself is I get a do-over tomorrow. And I say that to my boys when... They're like, gosh, mom, whatever. I'm like, okay. And then we'll we'll snuggle in bed or something, and I'll be like, okay, we had a hard day. Let's do a do-over. And they're like, yeah, because tomorrow's always a do-over day. So that's kind of what I'm doing in this pandemic. Of that's a that's a great a great reminder because I think as both of you described, Lori, you know that 
the tape that rolls in our head at night. I mean, that is that is really hard for a lot of people right now. And I think what makes it even harder is, as we talked about before, there aren't these, we're not moving through the world the way we used to. So there used to be these healthy distractions or things that we could kind of rely on to help us not have to go down the rabbit hole all the time. And I think that's really important that you name that aspect of just, you know, be kind to yourself. Um, and, and I love the, I love the, the shared point around what would I say to a friend who is going down that spiral? I would say, hang on a second, you're doing amazing things. And so affording yourself some of that grace. And then Katie, I love the do over. I mean, believe me, there are many days I'm like, I need a do over. Um, cause of what, I mean, I think, Tomorrow right. is always that's the only thing you can look you can rely on is that there's going to be a tomorrow um so right. i appreciate uh and then i know we talk a lot about kids bill but let let's shout out to uh people that help their elderly parents learn yep. zoom and all this stuff because teaching dad itunes the other day or i whatever because he wanted to watch tehran apple, apple tv Play yeah or whatever oh my lord I was like, dad, I have no patience for you right now. It's like, so even though we have our kids, we also, are we the sandwich generation now? Right. What they call. So we have elderly parents and then young kids. I remember somebody saying the sandwich. I've not heard that term, but it makes sense. Yes. Somebody. Yeah. Where you're sandwiched. So you've got your young kids and your elderly parents and you're in between. You're the sandwich that's holding the in between. But yeah, we talk about kids, but also elderly parents or parents in general who, if I can't get technology, I mean, you know, they're, and this is the only way they can see their grandchildren sometimes, you know, um, or stuff like that. Yeah. So big that shout is, out yeah, that is a, a big shout out to, to them. And we're all learning, right? That's the other thing too, is going back yep. to the, the center of this conversation we're all learning, every single one of us. And I think there's a lot that our kids can teach us. There's a lot that our elderly parents can teach us. Patience being one of those things. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I, I really appreciate you both joining. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Katie. Uh, it's important to, to hear these authentic stories rooted in flexibility and grace and love and patience. Um, and it's amazing things that the kids are doing. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for having us Thanks, on. Bill. Bye, Lori. Thanks for coming on. Bye, Bill. Bye, you both. Bye, Katie. Bye, Bill. Thanks. Have a great night. Thanks. Be safe, too.